Hey everybody and welcome back to I Just Want to Talk About the Bible. If this is your first time with us, then welcome. I'm very glad that you're here. My name is Christian Keeter and I live in the southeast of the United States of America with my amazing, beautiful, godly wife, Lacey, and our two wonderful daughters, Felicity and Serenity. So today we are going to be talking about something that is a pretty simple concept to discuss, like just to talk about, but it's a it's another matter entirely to apply it and to live it out. But it's something super foundational, super important to our daily walks with the Lord. And if this is something that we can really grow in, then it will affect all the decisions that we make. It will affect how we see circumstances. It'll affect how we respond when things don't go our way. It'll affect the emotions that we feel. It's really one of those things that this will become a lens through which you see and experience life. And therefore it'll touch every, every area for the better, for the better. So, um, having said that, let's, uh, let's look at a verse from Proverbs here to get us started. Proverbs 14:12 says, "There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death." So, let me just hop over two more chapters really quickly to Proverbs 16. I want to cross-reference this verse with another one, but let me read it again first. It says, "There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death." So now, hopping over to Proverbs 16:25, let me read this verse. It says, "There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. So if you didn't catch it, they're identical. These two verses are completely the same. They're identical verses. So that means, that means, that means this, that means if you memorize one of them, then you just memorize two verses. That's like two for the price of one. (laughs) So, but, but this is, I share that just to say, this is a verse that's, um, that's just said identically twice here, but the concept behind it is found all throughout the Bible. It's a concept that is seen in so many of the passages. It's um, deeply connected to the ideas of trust, um, trusting the Lord, and surrender, and wisdom, and just a lot of topics that we've talked about on this podcast plenty of times leading up to this point. But um, but there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. So what what is the generally what are we talking about here? What we're talking about is just just to say kind of the same topic in different ways is um, doing what's right in our own eyes, um, deciding right and wrong for ourselves, um, being wise in our own eyes. Uh, like it says here, there is a way that seems right to a man. But there's something that I want to highlight here very quickly. Um, Because I'm going to bring up some other verses just that talk about the same sort of topic. But notice it says, there is a way that seems right to a man. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. It seems right. That doesn't mean it is right. It seems right based on that individual's limited perspective, um, the way that they are evaluating things. It seems right just based on just the little bit of information that they have um, and their desires and things like that. But that does not mean that it is right. And the Lord is the only one who sees things, you know, totally. The Lord is the only one who sees the ins and outs of everything. He, he knows things about circumstances that we know nothing about. And so it says there's a way that seems right to a man. It says, but its end is the way to death. And I do just want to include um, a quick comment on a footnote. Um, I'm reading that I'm reading out of the English Standard Version translation, and the footnote says um, "ways of death," 
uh, here, and it says, but its end is the ways of death. Uh, even, uh, But the verse itself says uh, its end is the way to death. And I bring up that footnote for this reason. When we hear that, where it's like, there's what it seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. You know, you might think at first reading, you might kind of reduce that to be like, oh, this is talking about wrong decisions that people can make that are going to get themselves killed because it's, you know, because it says, but its end is the way to death. And I mean, of course that's included. I mean, people, you know, have make, uh, make decisions that seem right to them that are self-destructive and, and even harmful to them on, on many levels. Unfortunately, every day, that's things that, that is that human beings do sometimes. But I think that this verse is talking about more than that. And I think the phrasing of ways of death, which is in the footnote there, helps us to understand it a little bit better. It says, but its end is the ways of death. So you remember in John 10, 10, this is a, a, a verse that we have. In fact, I referenced it in a, in a recent episode, John 10, 10, Jesus says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus said that in John 10, 10. And so why do I bring that verse up with this one here in Proverbs? Well, think about it like this. When it says there's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death or, but its end is the ways of death. It's like, okay, these decisions that these per- this person is making here is leading them again, not just in the direction of like physical death or something like that, but it's like these decisions lead away from life. These decisions lead away from what is truly life. These decisions lead away from the abundant life that Jesus is talking about here. And so I just wanted to share that because it's like, okay, this this can broaden our categories because there are things that won't necessarily kill you physically, but it surely isn't leading you in the direction of the abundant life um, that that the Lord came to bring for us. You know, you can, um, you can walk, for example, you could walk in, uh, in, in jealousy and envy. And while those things will certainly have an an effect on your physical body, uh, no doubt, uh, it it doesn't mean that, you know, if you feel jealous today, you're going to die tomorrow, but those things surely do not lead in the direction of life. That's not leading in the direction of the abundant life Jesus is talking about. And so I just wanted to, before we even move forward, to broaden our understanding, broaden our category a little bit of what what this passage is saying. So I know I've read it a lot of times already, but I'm going to read it once more before we move on. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. A few other verses just uh, just from Proverbs that talk a little bit about what we're talking about, um, even if they use slightly different verbiage, are these. Proverbs 3, 7 through 8 says, Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. So be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Proverbs twelve fifteen says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes but a wise man listens to advice. And so here's saying, okay, I'll, you know, I'll just read that part again. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. And listen to this next one. Proverbs 26, 12 says, do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. <laughs> and so, I mean, the Bible, like it does not have good things to say about being wise in our own eyes. In fact, uh, judges, uh, let's see here, there's two verses in judges here that I want to highlight. Uh, Judges, let's see here, 17.6 and Judges 21.25. These are two more verses that are identical. So if you memorize Proverbs 14.12 and Judges 17.6, then you just memorize four verses for the price of two. It's uh, 
it's a it's half price uh, first day. So there you go, fifty percent off. So Judges seventeen six and uh, Judges twenty one five both say, in those days there was no king in Israel; everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And for those of you who are acquainted with the book of Judges, you realize that it's not describing good events. Judges is a a book that is, um, especially when you get closer to the end of the book. I mean, even disturbing in parts, and uh, and and so you just realize what's being described here. It's like this is not good. When people do what's right in their own eyes, it is not good, and it leads away from life to death, and oftentimes, literally to death. You know, like I don't want my disclaimer earlier to to ignore that. It's like when people do what's right in their own eyes, it 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 sometimes does lead to you know imminent physical death and things like that, either of them or the people around them. And so and then I, I say that as an example from uh, the stuff that happens in the book of Judges. Um, so anyways, I just, but I want us to, to spend a little bit of time thinking about this because this is relevant to, like I said at the beginning, um, every day of our lives. Because here's the thing, deciding what's right in our own eyes isn't just a matter of um, sin necessarily. And what I mean is this, there might be a couple of scenarios, neither of which, a couple of options, decisions, neither of which are sinful. And yet we're still deciding kind of what's right in our own eyes. We're looking at the circumstance, we're assessing it ourselves. We're just kind of thinking, well, this seems good to me. So I'm going to go this route. And it's not that either route is necessarily intrinsically sinful, but one is better than the other. And so now we're getting into the realm of, of wisdom, which is something we talk about quite a bit on this podcast. Um, but let me broaden things a little bit more and help us to understand what exactly it means to do what seems right to us or to decide right or wrong in our own eyes. Simply put, it's us thinking that we know better than the Lord does. Simply put, it's us thinking that we um, know what would be better in a situation that the Lord does. Now, um, that obviously, that mentality is, of course, sinful because it's not going to be, um, it's not a posture of surrender, it's not a posture of trust, it's a posture of pride, but it's very, very subtle. And we do this without necessarily realizing that we're that we are doing it, but there are some symptoms that we can have that will reveal that we're doing it. One of the big symptoms that we are falling into the sort of thinking of deciding what's right and wrong in our own eyes, doing what seems right to us, um, thinking that we know better than the Lord in a circumstance, is that whenever the Lord tells us to do one thing in a circumstance or not to do one thing in a circumstance and it's, it doesn't line up with what we want or what we think is best, we find ourselves getting angry or despairing or getting frustrated. Like there are the, the, these emotions come in just kind of as indicator lights almost of you know, something that's wrong. And so it's like whenever you, if you find, you know, if we find ourselves feeling mad or upset or angry when God is telling us to do something, then we need to explore that because we might be falling into this very thinking of, I know better than the Lord at this moment. And what he's telling me to do is not the best course of action. So a simple example, again, I, I want to keep this kind of down to earth and, and not just be concepts. So let me give you an example. If somebody wrongs you, like they really, they, you know, they, they wrong you and, uh, and, you know, in, in your flesh, you want to retaliate, uh, that, uh, unfortunately comes naturally to us. You want to avenge yourself, but the word of God says, 
Romans 12, 19 through 21. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So if someone were to get angry at that response, it's kind of an indication on, on some level that they're thinking, no, I know better than the Lord in this circumstance, and I want to reach out and take matters into my own hand because I don't like how God is telling me to do it. You know, speaking of the same subject about retaliation, uh, Matthew 5, this is Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, verses 38 through 42 says, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil, but if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. That was Matthew 5, 38 through 42. And so the question really is, how do we respond when the Lord's ways are different than what we think should happen? Because how we respond to that reflects a lot about where we are. You know, a lot of times, uh, well, what we need to remember is that Jesus is Lord. You know, God is the king. And a lot of times we try to reduce God to being like, um, I don't know, like a counselor. Uh, I heard a sermon recently where the pastor was talking about how a lot of people want Jesus as their kind of co-pilot, where he's not in the driver's seat, but he's in the passenger seat offering his advice that you can either choose to take or not. And that's how a lot of people, you know, uh, treat their relationship with the Lord. But that's not so. That's not right. He's Lord. Even think about the title Lord. Lord, I mean, that, that's the title of authority. And so that's not how it works. The, the way it works is that we are surrendered to him, that we, uh, that we follow him that he's the king. And so, uh, but let me just say, I use that example with retaliation, and that's a matter of something that is, you know, sinful versus righteous here, but there are things that on some level aren't even really matters of righteousness and sin, but it's just like it's the, the will of God in that specific circumstance. So let me give you an example. There could be a situation where there are two choices and uh, neither one of them are overtly sinful. Now the one of the like, it's not it's not a matter of like oh if someone were to do this that would be sin it's like no that's not it it's just two kind of decisions but you know you you seek the Lord and you really feel like you know, he's leading you down one of these paths and yet you feel like you might want to go down the other how do you respond to that do you say okay Lord I trust you thank you for guiding me and obey or do you get you know frustrated. And, uh, and so I, I do just want to say this is, this is, like I said at the beginning, this is a lens through which we can see our entire lives. Um, you know, one thing that uh, I think we can do is sometimes, and this is, again, I'm just trying to give you examples of what we're talking about here. Sometimes uh, we can, we might have a sense that the Lord is leading us to do something about a circumstance. It could be a simple, practical sort of thing. And so then we look at that and we kind of begin to assess that 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 prompting and that leading. We, we feel like, well, you know, I feel some hesitation about this thing over here. But then we start thinking through like... Um, just kind of some of the, the, the specifics, like why we think we might feel hesitation. And then we start deciding whether or not those feelings are valid. Well, it's like, well, um, let me try to make this make more sense. Cause even as I'm saying this, I don't feel like it's that concrete. What I'm trying to say is if God were to say to you, for example, if you were to feel like God were to tell you, Hey, you know, you were invited to this thing over here, 
you know, there's nothing wrong with that thing in of itself, but you know, but don't, uh, but, but, but you should probably pass on, but you should pass on that. So if you had that sort of feeling, then you would begin to kind of maybe assess, be like, you know, you try to think of the reasons why you think God might have said that, which that's that's not what we should do because we don't know all the details of why God did or did not say something. And the danger in that is that we might come to wrong conclusions. Well, he probably, this prompting is, I'm feeling is probably because of X, Y, and Z. And then you rationalize through those hypothetical reasons of why you shouldn't go. And if you work through those and you end up going because you're like, oh, those aren't valid, but then something completely unexpected happens. You know what I mean? Just something that you could not have known anything about. And so my point is saying that, and that, that may not have made any sense. I hope it landed for somebody, but that my point to saying that is like the Lord knows things that we don't know and he loves us. So, you know, I'll give you an example from my own life. Um, I shared before that, you know, the Lord, uh, in way back in episode six of this podcast, I share in detail about how the Lord, um, told me to give up, uh, caffeinated drinks. And, uh, again, I'm not going to reteach all of that here. Um, but you know, it, that was over two years ago. And over the course of those two years, um, I've always had this kind of lingering hope in the back of my mind. It's like, well, maybe he was calling me to a fast and, and maybe I'll get it back. Maybe he'll let me have it back once I've learned what, what he's, you know, uh, wanting me to learn. And maybe that's not a flattering thing to say, but Hey, I'm being real y'all. And I, and I obeyed the Lord. Um, but just because I did it didn't mean that my heart was necessarily in the right place. You know, we can have, you know, obedience with gritted teeth. I mean, you look at Jonah from the book of Jonah. He finally did what God told him to do in chapter three after, you know, uh, needlessly going through the belly of a fish. He could have avoided all of that if he had just obeyed in the first place, which, hey, that's a message in and of itself. You know, think uh, how much could be avoided if we had just obeyed in the first place. Um, but uh, in fact, that might be a future episode idea right there. Anyways, anyways, <laughs> but you know, but my heart, a lot of times there's been frustration and, um, uh, uh, irritability about it, wrestling with the Lord and anger. Cause it's just like, cause I, I, I wanted, you know, caffeine back. And here's the thing though. I, um, there are things I just don't know. I don't know all the reasons he told me to give it up. I don't know if it's permanent. I don't know. And it may very well be, but even if it is permanent and forever, he knows best. And I can kind of come to some conclusions about why, you know, he had called me to give it up. And I, and I believe I share some of those in episode six of this podcast. Again, not going to get back into all that here, but I have to acknowledge there are things that I don't know. And so why am I sharing this story? Because that anger, that frustration, that disappointment, all those things, where does that come from? That stems from me thinking that I know better than God. That stems from me um, falling into this temptation of, uh, oh, well, I, this seems right to me. It's kind of like falling into the thinking of this is right in my own eyes. And so I'm sharing this with you because like, this isn't, if you see somebody drinking a cup of coffee, they're not in sin for drinking that cup of coffee, you know, unless they have a word from the Lord, you know, like kind of like in my circumstance, if God's given you a word and then you disobey that word, then that is of course sin. But I'm just talking about the specific act itself. So this is an example where it's like, this is not about stuff that's sin or not sin. This is a matter of listening to the Lord and, and trusting him and not doing what's right in our own eyes. I hope that makes sense. That's just a simple example. But when God tells us to do something and we feel frustration, um, or anger, or even despair, something like that, we have to start asking these questions. Am I not trusting God? Am I not, am I deciding, am I falling into the thinking of, I know better? So 
having said all that, let's go to the original um, being right in our own eyes example. Let's go back to the original quote, I know better, unquote. This is back in Genesis chapter 3. And uh, and I want to point something out from Genesis chapter 3 because we're going to get some insight into uh, how we... Um, I don't know how how human beings operate, how the temptation of the enemy works, just like a bunch of things here. So there's, there's so much good stuff in this passage. So in Genesis three, I'm not gonna, you know, this is after God created the world and um and then uh, Adam and Eve and all this stuff. And so if I'm sure you're probably very well acquainted with that part of the Bible. If you're not, then go read Genesis one through three. It would be a good use of your time. So in Genesis chapter 3, I'm just going to begin reading in verse 1. I'll pause along the way. Um, I believe this is something that I've talked about on this podcast before. Um, but hey, doesn't hurt to hear the truth more than once, now does it? So here, beginning in Genesis 3, uh, beginning in verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. So let's let's pause there. there there's There's really a lot we could talk about. Um, from this passage, but I'm just going to highlight a couple of things. Of course, we know that that is the enemy. Um, here, actually, I'll just look at Revelation 12 real quick. Revelation 12, uh, 9 says, And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who was called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. Uh, that's that's Revelation 12, 9. And the reason why I read Revelation 12, 9 is just, just to show, it's like what we're talking about here is the enemy. That It says that ancient serpent. And so here we have the enemy coming to Adam and Eve in the garden. Um, resuming, uh, I stopped halfway through verse 1 there. It says, He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? That's the rest of verse 1. And so we know that God had given the command, You can eat of any, any tree except for the tree of the knowledge of the good, uh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so, um, verse two, and the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Just quick note. Um, that was through verse six, the Genesis three, one through six. It says who was with her, um, you know, talking about Adam. So it's, it seems, you know, that Adam is standing there silent. I mean, that's kind of the feel that you get from reading this passage, um, that this conversation is happening between Adam and Eve and Adam standing there silent. And so um, that, that's, that's, the way it, that's the way it feels when you read it here. So what am I trying to point out here from this passage? Why am I bringing this up? So what, is, what did the enemy say? He says, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And so basically, what is the enemy saying here? Now, this temptation is that he's, that he's putting before them is specifically relevant to, to um, their circumstance. You know, they've been given the specific command, do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And, you know, so that's specific. But there are some principles here that really apply to, to every temptation, really. So what he's saying, again, you will not surely die for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God knowing good and evil. 
So basically, what what is the if you boil it down, what is the enemy saying to Adam and Eve? He's essentially saying, God is holding out on you. God is holding out on you, and he can't be trusted, and you need to take matters into your own hands. Again, like with those like, with that in mind, listen for it in his words. He says, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The enemy is basically saying, God's holding out on you. He can't be trusted. You need to take matters into your own hands. And then, unfortunately, they take the bait. They, they take the bait. Um, I also want to point out the enemy couldn't make them do this. You know, the devil didn't make them do it. They, they chose. They gave into the temptation. They listened to the venomous lies of the serpent. And it sank deep down inside of them as they cooperated with what he set before them. They believed his lie. They believed that lie and they acted on it. And it says, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes... And that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she, uh, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. And so, what we're seeing is Adam and Eve are deciding what's right or wrong in their own eyes. They're doing what seems right to them, and it surely is is going to lead to death, as we know. And so we see they are like a case study of this very thing, the original case study of being wise in our own eyes, deciding right and wrong for ourselves. And so it's based on this lie. When we are tempted to decide what's right or wrong for ourselves, it's based on the lie, the same lie that the enemy said to them, which is, God can't be trusted. He's holding out on you. His ways are not best. Things will be better if you take matter into your own, matters into your own hands and do them your way. You need to reach out and take control. And then even, but this is so interesting. And notice, you know, we're talking about doing what's right in our own eyes. Just let me read verse six again and just notice, notice like the the visual uh, terminology here, like seeing terminology re- regarding the eyes. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of his fruit and ate and so on. And so it's just, this is, this is a, a really deciding what's right or wrong in their own eyes. And it led, of course, to destruction and things just began to fall out or fall apart after that. They get... Um, uh, exiled out of Eden, and there's this disruption in their um, uh, their their relationship with the Lord. It leads to fear. They hide from each other, and they hide from God. It's just it leads to death on so many levels, and then ultimately physical death. And it introduced death into the world, and they are cut off from the tree of life, right? And so I'm just using this as an example. But what I really wanted to draw out is what the enemy. The lie that he tried to get them to believe. And so again, what is the lie? The lie is God does not have your best interest at heart. He's holding out on you. His ways are not best. It'll be uh, better if you take matters into your own hands. You know better. And you should act on that. That's the lie. And that's the same lie that we um, face whenever we decide what's right or wrong in our own eyes. That's the same lie that that we're tempted to believe. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. Do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. The truth is that God loves us. He loves us so much. Um, I mean, the scriptures are abundantly clear in, in so many places that talk about um, the love of God. I mean, you could talk about 
I mean, John three sixteen. I mean, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That's, I mean, this probably is the well, most well-known verse in the entire Bible, and it's really the gospel. He loved the world so much that he sent Jesus on our behalf that we may have life. And Romans 5, um, I'll begin in verse, let's see here. I'll just read verse 8, Romans 5, 8. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 1 John 3, 1, the, the first part of that verse uh, says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. And flipping to the next chapter here in 1 John 4, verse 9 says, In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world, so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. I read through verse 10 there. So that was first John four, um, nine through 10, but not only does he love us, but he also truly knows what's best. He, he knows what's best in each and every circumstance. One verse that comes to my mind is, um, Psalm 16, 11, which says you make known to me the path of life in your presence. There is fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. It says, you make known to me the path of life. So he loves us and he knows what's best. And so first off, this is I, this is something we've been talking about in recent episodes, um, uh, especially last episode, episode 49. We have to believe the truth. We have to know and believe the truth. Um, and the truth is that God loves us. And that is made so clear throughout the scriptures and so clear by what he's done. And we need to remind ourselves of the love of God. We need to um, talk to ourselves about how God loves us. And we need to just remind ourselves of that constantly because the enemy, you know, the enemy, again, you, you, he, you know, he takes the form of a serpent here. Think about that. Snakes, serpents, they, they're, they're low to the ground. They can be difficult to see. They can sit still. They can hide in tall grass. Um, and they can, you know, they can strike when someone doesn't even realize that they're there. You know, the enemy he's, he's, he's cunning. And a lot of times we don't even realize that we're being lied to and we're just kind of going along. And that's why I'm saying whenever we see ourselves feeling these emotions, um, whenever, you know, our God's ways, um, collide up against what we think should happen in a circumstance, then we should really explore that and try to get down to our heart and ask God for wisdom because he's promised to give wisdom to those who ask in faith. Um, so what, what is the solution here? Let's flip over here to what is another one of probably the most famous passages in the entire Bible, and that's Proverbs 3, and I'm going to begin in verse 5, um, but I'm going to read through verse 8. I'm going to pause along the way, though. Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. And so that was verses 5 and 6 there. But do you hear that? Do you hear the... It's the opposite of doing what's right in your own eyes. So trust, trust, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding right there. That's it. Leaning on our own understanding is another way of saying doing what's right in our own eyes or um, uh, the way that seems right to us being wise in our own eyes and so on. That's what it means to lean on our own understanding here. It says, don't do that. Don't do that. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And everything we do, acknowledge the Lord and what we're doing and ask for his wisdom, ask for his guidance. Um, let 
the Lord and his desires be the deciding factor in all the decisions that we make. And then it says, and he will make straight your paths. Now, let me continue reading verses seven and eight. I've already read these verses earlier in this podcast episode, but I want to carry on through. So immediately after this, it says, be not wise in your own eyes. That's exactly what we're talking about. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. So I'm going to read the whole passage just without pausing. Now, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. So I hope that you're seeing how, like I said earlier in this episode, this is a lens through which we see everything, that all of our you know, decisions and everything need to be filtered through this. Like it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. And um, so I, I just, I hope that you see this and, uh, and that it's a helpful uh, kind of guiding principle whenever you're you know, faced with decisions or when the Lord is telling you to you know, do things a certain way and it may not be the exact way that you wanted things to unfold or wanted to do things. And so I just want to say he knows best and he knows details that, um, that you have no idea about and he is not holding out on you. Be so wary of the enemy and that, again, that venomous lie, the one that we so quickly will listen to and believe that God doesn't know what's best for us, that he doesn't love us, that he's holding out on us, that things would be better if we took matters into our own hand. That is that is that is a venomous lie just from the enemy himself, and it takes a thousand different forms, and yet it's the same sort of thing repurposed all the time. And so just trust him. Just trust him. He knows what's best for you, and he loves you, and he's, he's not holding out on you. His ways lead to life. That's what happens. The Remember, the, the, the way that seems right you know, I, let me. Well, you know, I'll just read the verse again. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. But I'll end with what Jesus said in John ten ten. I'll read it once more. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So I hope that this has been encouraging, um, and I hope that you see practical application for this in your own life. Uh, it's it's one of these things you have to be diligent to look for it. If you if you begin to have this perspective and look at things through this lens, then you will see this. Then you will see it in your life. You'll see it at work, and um, it can change everything. It can really change everything. And and just don't be afraid to ask the Lord for help. Don't be afraid to ask Him for help and trusting Him. Psalm 103, 13 and 14 um, says, As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. Just come to him as a child. Just come to him as, as a child comes to their father. That just needs to be our posture. And so I hope that this has encouraged you, uh, maybe even challenged you, um, and that you're just growing closer and closer to Jesus each and every day. Also, for anybody who feels led to give to help support the podcast, um, I just want to talk about the Bible is a 501c3 nonprofit organization, which means that all gifts given are tax deductible. So if you feel so led, uh, instructions on how to give can be found in the footer 
of the uh, podcast episode description, the show notes. And so you can find all the information down there um, or just click the support the show link down there as well. That'll do it as well. But anyways, guys, I hope that this has been encouraging to you. I hope that it has been motivating. I hope that it's been challenging. And as always, I hope that you guys are doing well. All right, God bless you. Until next time.